When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Robert and I, after a you know, series of discussions, have uh, mutually uh, agreed to part ways. This is the Rich Eisen Show. All right, Chris, what are you thinking today? So many great memories. But look, I, I think we knew this was coming. I think it was one of those things. I was saying it last year. It was just time for something different. Today's guests. NFL Network Insider, Tom Pelissero, Senior Writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. Packers running back, Aaron Jones. And now, it's Rich Eisen. That's right. That's whoa, right. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. I am fired up because it's time for Super Wild Card Weekend. Woo. Actually, it's not actually time. Tomorrow's a day. I'd rather play them now. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know if the weather's right in Kansas City say, or Buffalo. The, uh, the weather, you'd probably want to play now. You know what? <laughs> it's only going to get worse. 844 rich is the number to dial so much to discuss on this program. It is ridiculous. The football world has exploded. And we've got Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated stepping in studio in hour number two to talk about the association and everything going on in that particular end of our sports world. We've got Aaron Jones calling in from the Green Bay Packers. Going out the door. Last segment of this show. Stay tuned for that. He will hang up the phone and fly to Dallas. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what we're going to figuratively do. It's snowing in Green Bay right now. What the heck is going on? Love it. Um, he's calling in the show. Tommy Tommy Curran's going to be joining us. He's zooming in. He's going to put his Duncans down for long <laughs> enough to hit hey. that join the meeting button. You don't ever put the Duncan. I know. I understand what I'm saying. Tom Pelissero is going to join us first up to say exactly what the hell is going on. (laughs) That's how we're starting this show today. And you at 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Good to see you. That's right. The hell is going on? Good to see you over there, Chris Brogman. Did this week really happen? Was it I did. Just, was I dreaming? Fever all dream. That stuff that Fever dream took place. No offense to you, uh, Jason Feller, but this would have been perfect for Mike Del Tufo to be here to give us his weather report. Hey, thanks for having me on. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got to get Mike to zoom in for the weather, right? No, we don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, if he doesn't want to be here, he doesn't want to be here. You know what I mean? Like that's it. That's true. That's it. That's true. Not to be that way, but hello, Jason Feller. Hey, how's it going? TJ. Dally Weather Report. How you doing over there, You're TJ? Rough. You good? Ready for Dallas Cowboy playoff football? Nah, he's, he's nervous. You want the truth? He's nervous. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a wreck. <laughs> I'm a wreck. Like, I, there is no, nothing that can happen this weekend when I come on on Monday is going to surprise me. Dallas won by 20. Wow, great. Dallas lost by a field goal. I believe it. I've got my Jimmy Johnson, Mike Irvin, Troy, and Emmett T-shirt on. I'm feeling lucky with this, but I, I'm a wreck, man. I'm nervous as heck. Irv says it's the uh, the curse of Jimmy's been lifted. I hope he's right. That's how he feels. Curse of Jimmy's been lifted. I think it might be a blowout, TJ. 
from your lips to the Lord's ears. That's what you're you're referring for him to be happy, right? Yes, okay. very much. So. You see, oh, like, by the way, I'm like you. He occasionally would like me to be happy, and and I appreciate Chris Brockman removing me from the Western Pennsylvania griddle. <laughs> Because oh, yeah. I got you, aggregated this week. Oh, he did. <laughs> oh, I saw him <laughs> saying that the Steelers were going to get what? What's what the word you used? Blasted. Blasted. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What were you? What were you noted as in the tweet? Analyst. An, an, analyst. Uh, hey, look at yeah. me. In, in my mind, hey. better than actor. Actor and analyst. What a year <laughs> what, for me. What can't you do? <laughs> <laughs> what a year. So the Steeler fans are like that. Analyst from the Rich Eisen show says our team's getting blasted, and it's probably the same people saying Tomlin should be out of there. That the, the bald host of that program should yeah. be out too. You guys are making it so I'm not going to be able to go back home anytime soon, man. Thanks. So, uh, hey, everybody. Hey. We if, hey. we already have a new coach hired, although it's not yet official. Not official. But that was the conversation last year when that, uh, interesting, because they very rarely put out a press release in New England um, to announce pretty much anything about what they're doing. But remember, there was a uh, there was a uh, like a two three line st- statement that yep. that Bill O'Brien was hired as the new offensive coordinator, which is wild that somebody would be announced and then given a title for everyone to see and call. Um, and Gerard Mayo wasn't taking interviews elsewhere. Right, he was being retained on staff, and everybody took that to mean well, Bill had to bring somebody on to be the new offensive coordinator that the Crafts wanted to have on there to straighten out a regressing Mac Jones after Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, who'd never really coordinated an offense and been in charge of a quarterback before, was in charge of Mac Jones's regression season, and Bill O'Brien came on, and as we all know, Mac Jones fell off a cliff. Not to say that that's Bill O'Brien's fault, but he fell off a cliff. And everybody thought Gerard Mayo was sticking around because he was told, you're the next coach, which led everyone to believe in New England that when Belichick being on the hot seat, it was just Gerard Mayo's gig and waiting until Mike Vrabel became available. And sure enough, Tom Pelissero, along with Ian Rappaport from my uh, NFL media group and others reporting today, Gerard Mayo is going to be the next head coach of the New England Patriots. Bob Kraft, when he left the podium yesterday, said we're going to move quickly. This is pretty quick. Pretty quick. And which means it, it may have been in his contract that this was happening because they didn't have to go through any other hiring processes. He's in his contract. You're the next coach. I saw him in Germany, and he was strolling around, and you know, I, 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 I didn't get the sense that he knew he was going to be the next coach of the New England Patriots for sure. And if this has been the case, well, what an interesting dynamic because Bill must have known what was in that contract, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we're paging Tom Curran to the horn later on today. But this is just a, this is a guy who was drafted by the Patriots, played only for the Patriots, joined the coaching staff of the Patriots, has been only on the coaching staff of the Patriots, and now he's the one that is going to be putting on the headset after the hoodie. The guy after the guy. And your guess is as good as mine as to what the heck that's going to look like. And that's one of the fascinating aspects of everything going on in New England. Is what will the post-Belichick 
Patriots look like. And I don't mean like wins, losses. I'm talking about organizationally. There's been one way that it has been done for 24 years, and it was Bill Belichick's way. Yep. End of story. And as it progressed, the it being, you know, all the winning and banner raising and duck boat parading and denting of Lombardi trophies with <laughs> baseballs <laughs> at Fenway Park. Yeah, that's true. You know, all of that, it only got more of Belichick's way. You even heard Bob Kraft say at the podium yesterday, AKK saying, hey, listen, it wasn't even an option to tell Bill you're going to have less control over the roster and in the draft room and someone else will be picking the picks and you will be picking some picks and somebody else will be picking some picks. And that's just not the way that they have done business. And Bill had earned the right of having that control. He was saying that that just didn't sound workable, that you stay the coach and we'll get more of a a collaborative effort on the roster building and roster control wasn't an option for Kraft. And I'm sure it wasn't for Belichick. So how will it look organizationally? How will it look just spirit was, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have no idea how this is going to look. How's it going to look media wise? You know, will a coach actually say if a player's injured or not, <laughs> <laughs> will there be fewer questionable players on the injury report? You know, I mean, I don't know. Probably, right. Will will more assistants not. talk? Will, I'm wondering what the press conferences are going to sound you know, like. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what will this entire building look like? Because the other way around, the other way around, in anybody that's taken over from the Belichick system elsewhere has been quite, um, what's the word for it, I guess? Sea change? Awakening? However you want to put it? Everything you hear in, in Las Vegas, it's like Mc, Josh McDaniels came in and it was the Patriot way, the McDaniels way, soup to nuts. And it took some doing in the building for people to get used to it and understand it and 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 maybe have their roles changed because their roles aren't as collaborative under that system. And it worked for Bill. God, did it work for Bill. And others, it doesn't. If Mayo is just like Bill, you know what? Everyone understands it. That's just the way it is. If it's different, that might be kind of a sea change. Don't know. What is it going to look like, and how does that affect wins and losses? And what does it look like on the field? Bringing in a total, like, hot, young, new coordinator, maybe, to bring in all of the new offensive concepts that I guess others didn't. I don't know. You're into that idea. I'd be in favor of that. I can't wait to see how it all builds. And then of course, I can't wait to see where bill goes next. My gosh. Will that be something in terms of that organization having a sea change when he walks in the building and then fans just having a sea change, seeing him in another sideline, another uniform logo on his, on his hoodie. We're also using words like when maybe a team doesn't want Bill. I don't know. Maybe a team doesn't want any of these guys that are out there 
Pete Carroll. Like Pete Carroll. Yeah, exactly. We're just assuming and that one last thing. they're going to get looks and interviews. Maybe not. One last thing before we get to Pelissero here. As you know, I'm looking at every single coaching hire and fire through the lens of how does that affect Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> Honestly, everything. Totally. So if Rabel doesn't wind up in New England and he winds up and say the Chargers are Vegas, right? That's, a- that's one fewer spot that Jim might leave for. Totally. So I'm like, where do you coach, Rod Mayo? You take that spot that I thought Vrabel was going to wind up in. <laughs> Even though he was, it seems, contractually obligated to it. And I don't know. Maybe we're one step closer to the maize and blue skinny M hat still being on Jim's head. Let's take a break. So much to talk to Tom Pelissero about. Tommy P. Tommy P. Next on the RES. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. What did you just say during the commercial break, Chris? Uh, I saw a report uh, this morning. uh, Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown a pass this week. Well, neither is Baker Mayfield, apparently, either. Right? Except he's nursing ribs, and Hurts has got that middle finger thing going on. By the way, so has Philadelphia. Philadelphia's had a middle finger thing going on for decades. You know? I should be careful. I'm already already public enemy number one in the western part of the state. Well, public enemy number two. You're number one, Chris. I'm number one right now. How about you being heard with all of us now? What's happening? (laughs) How do we get aggregated so much now? I love it. Well, look at us. We took nine years to get aggregated every day. Just thank you for calling me an analyst. I appreciate that. Are you really, though? I mean, I see things. I analyze them. Okay. And then out they come from my mouth. What makes me different than anyone else? Um, He's in, got this, a point. in this space, 
I mean, I guess. Rich, we're a nominated podcast. You know what I mean? That's true. I guess you have opinions like everyone else. I mean, I got lots of Isn't opinions. Not that phrase. Isn't that that? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want to thought on? What do you want to thought on? Right, quick. I got it. Got? <laughs> Give me something. Give me a topic. Give me a topic. Come on. The the NCAA, NCAA football. NCAA oh, football. Man. No. Nick Saban, commissioner. Mm. One giant body. 64 team playoff. Okay. 64 team playoff. 10 yeah. game regular season. This guy. <laughs> okay. Good idea. Thanks. I'm going to go eat my cheeseburger for lunch. You're welcome. Okay. Good one. Good one. NCAA stinks. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, but Michigan definitely had something up. I mean, that's the way that that's basically it. That's, that's basically it from him. Your text yesterday was funny about that. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger. With supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Nothing to talk about with this guy, but you know what? We figured let's just have him on anyway. Oh, wait a minute. There's everything to talk about with him. Tom Pelissero and his usual Friday spot back here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Tommy P? How are you? I'm still here, Rich. Uh, it's been a week <laughs> in been... the NFL. Uh, Honestly, have my you... boys in the studio before you go. Okay, hey, hey, Tommy, Tommy P. P. Honestly, <laughs> for, for how long you've done this, Tom, is, it, nothing touches this week, right? This, this week no, is off the charts, correct. right? You know, I think that, you know, everybody talks about Black Monday and, you know, the the day after the season. What we've seen in recent years is there's a lot, you know, there's sometimes one or two that happen during the season. This year there were three. And then, you know, there's other years where you have this kind of aftershocks that happen. And increasingly we've seen these aftershocks. They're normally not earthquakes, though. We are now entering an NFL hiring cycle. We're in the thick of it already in which among the names potentially available to go to new teams, Mike Vrabel, Jim Harbaugh, sorry, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. All right, these are luminaries in the sport. These are big-time names, big-time coaches, and we'll see where the dust settles with all of these. But, you know, in another year, we'd be talking about Ben Johnson. Where is he going to go? That would be the number one story in this hiring cycle. This year, it's Belichick, Carroll, Harbaugh, Vrabel, this is unusual. It's also uh, an amazing test case because it's the first year where we've got new rules on the cadence of the hiring process as well with in-person interviews with NFL assistants pushed back. So everybody already was kind of feeling their way through this new process. Now all of a sudden you plop in a bunch of coaches of this caliber and everybody right now is trying simultaneously to go through the process the way they were planning to do it but also understanding there's new things literally happening in real time here. And in terms of the cadence that the league has set out to kind of slow the process down, that's where I'll start with you is why are the Patriots able to hire Gerard Mayo so quickly, even though it hasn't been officially announced as you and I are conversing right now, Tom? So under the Rooney rule, teams are currently required to interview two external minority candidates for any high-level position, whether that's a head coach or a general manager. The exceptions to the rule, there's two of them. One is if you make the coaching change after March 1st. That's what we saw a couple of years ago with Todd Bowles taking over for Bruce Arians, because realistically at that point, you're talking about teams are already way down the line and you know, saying you're going to bring people in and do a whole process doesn't really make sense. The other exception to that rule is if you, in writing, put that somebody is the successor 
to the job. And it doesn't matter if they're black, white, whatever. If you put that in writing that you are the plan successor, you're allowed to step into that job. And there have been other examples of this. One of the more recent ones was Eric DaCosta taking over for Ozzie Newsom. If you have it in writing that you're the successor, there's not a Rooney Rule requirement. You don't have to go through a search process. You can simply be elevated. And certainly um, there was a belief that this was um, in Gerard Mayo's contract going all the way back to about a year ago at this time when the Patriots did something highly unusual for the organization, which was making send out a press release saying we are working on a contract, not even done. We are working on a contract with Gerard Mayo to keep him with the team for years to come. And also we have now brought aboard Bill O'Brien as our new offensive coordinator. The Patriots normally don't announce that the sun came up today. They won't confirm anything publicly like that. Hmm. The fact that they intentionally put that out there, it signaled a couple of things. One, Gerard Mayo very clearly was the successor to Bill Belichick. But secondly, it also was evidence of what we've seen is an erosion of power that Bill Belichick had long had within the organization. And Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, had been increasingly involved in football matters. There were certain things that Bill Belichick has always had in his contract, 53-man roster control. The team can't hire a general manager. But in terms of control over individual members of the coaching staff, non-football hires and things like that, those were not technically under Bill Belichick's purview. And when you look back at, in recent years here, why things went the direction that they did in New England, there were a bunch of reasons for that. The number of valuable members of their coaching staff and front office who had left is certainly part of the equation here. Bill Belichick did not have the help that he had had in prior years, but also there was certainly a belief from Belichick's side, as far as I understand it, that he was no longer able to function the way that he had on the way to six Super Bowls. That's part of the reason when they had these conversations here, specifically on Monday and then carried into the next couple of days, things just weren't able to get on the same page for them to move forward. Together. What do you mean by that? Because uh, I, I, I know I know uh, those who are listening and, and uh, might have a little bit of uh, the cynicism in them would be, uh, well, yeah, the, the, the things that he didn't have to operate the way that he's used to operating there in New England is named Tom and Brady. But what else? I mean, seriously, what what else are you referring to that led to this remarkable parting of the ways, Tom? Go down the list of people, Rich, who have gotten jobs out of the Patriots organization. And, of course, everybody makes jokes of, okay, it's it was all Belichick. It's all Brady. You know, these guys come out of that. And why do people keep hiring out of that tree? But when you lose Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, and Joe Judge, at least for a bit there. Nick Casario goes to Houston. You can go down the rest of the list. You know, Jack Easterby going to Houston, who was a key part of the operational thing. All these people who had been a part of this network that Bill had kind of overseen, mm -hmm. all of a sudden he didn't have that same level of expertise working with him to put all the various systems and processes in place that Belichick had been used to. And again, I know I said some names in that sentence that people are going to roll their eyes at, but you're talking about the difference between those people going and trying to set a similar program someplace else and those people knowing specifically how they function within the Bill Belichick universe. When you have, and really New England is the only one that's truly like this in the NFL, because yes, Pete Carroll had 53-man roster control. He technically had veto power. He hired John Schneider. But nobody had more authority over every aspect of the football operation than Bill Belichick in New England, which works. Yes, it helps when you have the greatest player of all time on your side. They tried to find the next guy. 
in Mac Jones a couple of years ago. There's a bunch of reasons things did not go well. They also gave Mac Jones three different offensive coordinators because Josh McDaniel, four if you count the the two-headed monster from last year, mm. they had Josh McDaniels, then it was Patricia and Judge, then this year it's Bill O'Brien, so you're switching schemes, you're switching systems. Again, there's a, there's this massive brain drain that happened within the organization, and when it relies on one person to oversee all of it, and suddenly you have less experienced people doing a lot of those jobs, whether it's on the field or off the field, it just leads to some other things falling by the wayside. You saw that reflected in personnel. You saw that reflected at times in terms of what was left of the coaching staff, and you certainly saw it in the win-loss column where they were 4-13. and So what is Belichick's next maneuver? Where, where do you think – what do you think he's going to do? Tom? Bill Belichick wants to coach. He did not say that. He did not take questions from reporters, which I understood, Rich, because, you know, Bill went out, he made like his five minute speech to the media, and then he could do just the, okay, well, we'll see you later thing as opposed to, all right, let's take questions for Bill. Bill, where are you going next? Yeah, we're here to talk about today. You know how that would have gone. It would have been 10 uncomfortable minutes after that. So Bill wasn't going to address his future, but Robert Kraft made that very clear that, hey, it's going to be hard seeing him in a cutoff hoodie, you know, coaching someplace else. He wants to coach in 2024. He wants to continue pursuing uh, the all-time wins record, which, you know, depending if you're looking at the regular season one or the total one, it's going to take realistically two or three years uh, to be able to get there. He's going to need to go, though, you know, talking about the processes and the way that things were set up in New England for so long, where he's able not necessarily to run things exactly the same, because, again, I don't know that you can set up a program the way that the Patriots did 24 years ago in the modern NFL. But he's going to want to know that the structure of the organization, the resources and his ability to do his job the way that he's done it and the way that he knows how to win is going to be putting him in a position have success at that next stop. So, you know, we all know some of the names that have been out there in terms of potential landing spots. Atlanta is certainly one. It makes a lot of sense. You got an 81-year-old owner in Arthur Blank who just ran out of patience on what was supposed to be a long-term bill with Arthur Smith. They have gotten a lot better on defense. They have put talent at the skill spots. They've not yet invested in a quarterback, which regardless who is the coach there is going to be the next step here in 2024. You know, I've heard the Chargers bandied about I don't really foresee that. I've heard the Raiders. I don't really foresee that. What about Washington? I mean, you know, Washington, the the issue there also is he he would go there and he's got a second overall pick. He could could get a young stud, um, you know, to go and coach up and, you know, kind of be the Popovich here, right, to get his Wembanyama. I don't know if Drake May would, would be that guy or if Caleb would even drop to him at two or they go get up to number one because the Bears might stick with Justin Fields, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I coach in the NFC East, that one with a new owner that's going to put a ton of money into the, you know, you're not wor- you're not wondering about the, the continuity there and you're not worried about the money there uh, of the ownership structure and resources. That's for sure. In DC. Well, you're probably wondering about the structure of the football operation. If it's Adam Peters, who ends up being the head of football operations, which you know has been the belief in the league for months that he was going to end up getting that job. That's somebody who did work in New England. He's got a relationship with Bill Belichick. Everything I've been told is that it's not likely that Bill Belichick is going to end up in Washington just Mm. for a variety of different reasons, the vision for how they want to build that program. But you say nothing's impossible, Rich, because we're talking about arguably the greatest coach of all time. Every owner should be looking at this and just going, okay, Bill Belichick's currently available. He's 72 (laughs) years old. 
But do we need to think about this? Do we at least need to have a conversation about this? And I think that, you know, while this press conference was going to happen at some point and all parties didn't want it to drag on, I certainly think from Bill Belichick's perspective, one thing he's going to want to do is see how these games go this weekend and see whether or not potentially something else could shake free. Um, you're talking about better teams. If they're in the playoffs, they're probably closer to winning. I don't foresee Bill Belichick taking over a total rebuild operation, which is why I don't anticipate it being Washington. I don't really think it's Carolina. I think it's got to be a team that's a little bit closer here. You take nothing off the table, um, but Belichick's going to want to know, too, you know, who am I working with? How involved is the owner going to be? Is there a team president or somebody else high up the food chain that I'm going to be answering to? All these are questions that Belichick is going to interview teams about as much as they are interviewing him for these potential jobs. We'll see exactly what that ends up being. But again, you've got a lot of big names and a lot of moving parts in this entire in this entire thing. And there's also some teams that knowing those new restrictions and the fact that you can't do in-person interviews with current NFL assistants until January 22nd want to at least get a little bit further in this process before they decide to move forward. Though all you have to do, Rich, is interview a couple of minority coaches who are not currently employed or are college coaches, anyone other than NFL assistants, you could have fulfilled the Rooney rule and then pounce on Belichick or Vrabel or, or one of these other guys right now. Tom Pelissero, my God, we could talk for another half an hour here, but uh, let me let me try and condense some of this down. Uh, my colleague from NFL Network right here on the Rich Eisen Show. I, I know it feels like 15 years ago, but w- why did Vrabel and the Titans part ways? I mean, w- w- what happened there, Tom? We talked about it, Rich, on game day morning on Sunday, and my understanding was they were going to speak after the season was over and try to figure out if there was a if or you know how they could possibly move forward together. There was a lot that was swirling out there in terms of reports about his frustration, people like Michael Lombardi on his podcast saying, oh, I don't think he likes the setup. And of course, there's a New England connection to uh, Lombardi there. There were, you know, just a lot of, there's a lot of noise, him going to New England and saying the things that he did. And some of those other things that just didn't land well, he never addressed it. My understanding was, this is what we wrote and talked about, he never went to ownership or the other Titans brass and said, hey, I got a problem with Rand Carthon or I got a problem with the structure. He never talked about the alignment and him and Rand Carthon never had blow ups. It wasn't anything like that. But when you have this much noise, Rich, you would think at some point, if somebody writes a story saying Tom Pelissero really doesn't like working with Rich Eisen, I'd probably call you and go, yeah, you know, that's a bunch of BS. Like, don't don't worry about that. <laughs> they never confronted it publicly or privately. And so it just left everyone going, what is what is the deal here? When you see those buzzwords that Amy Adams Strunk used in her statement and in her uh, in-house media interview with the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith, you know, she kept talking about collaboration and alignment. It was very clear that while Vrabel and Rand may have been friendly and they got along well enough, they weren't working together. They were not collaborative. They wanted a different environment around that team. You've spent time around Vrabel. I, I've met Vrabel. You know, he is a, I don't even know how to describe him. He is a unique individual. He's an excellent, excellent football coach, but also somebody who's going to bow up a lot with things he doesn't like. He's going to have his way of doing things. And he's going to want to proceed like that. They weren't on the same page. Vrabel was frustrated with the roster. He was plainly frustrated with some other things. Amy Adams Strunk did something that you don't see very often, which is flat out firing a really, really good 
football coach. And we'll see now with Rand Carthon running the operation there in terms of a coaching search, what direction they go. I would I would bet you this, Rich, as they're going through this, and we've seen them request a lot of the hot offensive names. We've also seen them request guys like Aaron Glenn and Antonio Pierce and Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris. Those guys are probably going to be more the types of leaders that you see with D'Amico Ryans in Houston. They're going to be a little bit more type A, I don't want to say rah-rah, but along those lines, you're going to have a different type of an energy than you had with Vrabel. And I think, you know, that leader of men type, even though Vrabel would also fit in that category, that's probably the direction uh, the Tennessee is going to be leading. Well, and, and then Amy Adams-Strunk mentioned how there was a possibility of there being a trade for Vrabel, but that would process too long to potentially go and get someone for Vrabel. And then hours later, literally the next day, um, Pete Carroll doesn't survive him competing for staying the coach in Seattle to use his language. He's out. And I'm wondering if Dan Quinn's the, the through line here, you know, because if Quinn is in play, he was last year, but the Titans had Vrabel and they were definitely keeping with Pete Carroll in Seattle last year. I'm just wondering if, if is there any connective tissue here as to why suddenly Pete was, was out? What, what's the, what, what, what happened there? Tom. It's not a direct line okay. to Dan Quinn. It's not as simple as Pete's out, Dan's in. Um, I would certainly anticipate, knowing the relationship, John Schneider's going to want to interview Dan Quinn. A lot of people want to interview Dan Clinton, right. uh, Quinn, and I think that he's a real candidate in a place like Tennessee. He's a real candidate in Washington. He's got slips from Carolina and the Chargers. There's a bunch of places where Dan Quinn is going to be in the mix. Now, I would also say Seattle for, you know, 14 years under Pete Carroll established a pretty cool culture in terms of just like the way that they have this competitive energy, this positivity, the way that they do things like, you know, maybe you're looking for something a little bit different in this regard, just in terms of like how you hold people accountable, the style of football you play. Cause we all know Pete wanted to play avoid turnovers, play really good defense, and then we'll cut it loose in the fourth quarter if we have to. Maybe you shift away from that a little bit. But you're not going to see this massive swing away culturally, I don't believe, in Seattle. Uh, that doesn't mean that you have to get somebody who's been there before because Dan Quinn would be uh, the front-line guy in that. But I know this, John Snyder, you know, when you have a 72-year-old head coach, you're always kind of evaluating, having a list ready. If at some point Pete wanted to walk away or the Seahawks in this case wanted to move on. So I would anticipate he's going to interview all the hot names. They haven't put out their, their interview slips yet, which by the way, and I learned this rich through the course of uh, this wild past week here, yes. there's a process actually, even before you put the slips out in terms of writing the job description. Now the league has to approve it. Then they have to post the job not on like monster.com, but they have to like <laughs> post it internally. Yeah. And there's like a whole a bunch of rules there. So unless they until they approve the language and it's posted, you can't even put out the slips. So that's where you've got some of these delays that have happened wow. in recent days. It's not that the Seahawks are ill-prepared for the moment. They're, they'll be ready to go here. Um, you know, and for Pete Carroll, I, I would say this, Richie, it reminded me of 2008. March 6, 2008, when Brett Favre retired mm -hmm. for the first time. And Brett was tearful. And I was at that press conference at Lambeau Field, which shows how long I've been doing this stuff. Um, you know, and he said, you know, I know I can still play, but I don't think I want to. Pete Carroll goes to the podium on, I think it was Tuesday, I've lost track of days, mm -hmm. and says, you know, I competed hard. 
You know, like I'm happy. I'm happy for the organization. I'm going to be here for you. Johnny Schneider, you're my guy. It's been 14 years. You really get to do this thing now, but Hey, I'm ready to go and I'm fired up for what's next to me. That was Pete walking a very fine line. I thought it was the classiest, most genuine goodbye from a really classy, genuine individual. But I did not read that as a goodbye for Pete Carroll to coach it. And if the right job is there in a place that he wants to be with a team he thinks has an opportunity to win right now, I would not be shocked at all, Rich, if we see Pete Carroll on an NFL sideline again. Wow, gosh. I mean, this is insane. And then let's get to Harbaugh. What's the latest here? Uh, I, I know what. I thought we're, you were going to run out the clock on this. No, I'm not running out of clock. I'm having you as long as you're willing to sit there, Tom. I mean, we've barely scratched the surface here. This is the most insane. That's what I said. The coaching carousel is drunk. It has spun off its uh, off its axis. And you look out your front window of your house. You're watching it roll down the street because this isn't. This th- is water. I'm th- not drunk. Th- th- <laughs> <laughs> so what's the latest with Jim Harbaugh, Tom? Jim Harbaugh is celebrating, as I'm sure yeah, you no. are still too rich. I am. Cloud nine for about four days here. Um, Jim Harbaugh during, you know, you got that big chunk of time right between the Big Ten title game and the, the college football playoff. He was definitely, you know, making calls. He was updating staff lists. He was evaluating potential openings. He has continued, from my understanding, to do that through the course of this week. Uh, it is certainly in play that Jim Harbaugh could end up in the NFL. Uh, We talked about this, I remember, on the show last week. I brought up two teams, the Raiders and the Chargers. I would still bring up those two teams. It certainly seems, just based upon how the processes have gone so far, that the Chargers at this point probably um, seem like they're more in play for Jim Harbaugh. But when you're talking about a coach of this caliber, I don't think that you take anybody off the table until they uh, ultimately go in a different direction. I think that the other thing to remember with Jim Harbaugh was – you know, the last couple of years, things played out rather publicly. You know, two years ago, he interviews twice with the Vikings, including in person for like six hours on National Signing Day. And then, you know, through the course of that day, the Vikings realized, you know what, this is just, this is not a fit. Harbaugh gets on the plane, he tells Michigan, I'm coming back. They hire Kevin O'Connell that night. Last year with Denver, he did the initial Zoom. And then they were like, hey, we want to bring you in for in person. And Jim was just thinking, like, I, why do I have to go and do that? So the Penners ended up flying to go see him a week later. The point is, I think this time around, if Jim Harbaugh is going to get a job, to the extent that they can, they're going to keep it as, as quiet as possible for as long as possible, right up until the point that Jim Harbaugh's flying there and if all goes well, he becomes the head coach of the football team. We know that Michigan fans, and I'm sure the administration, are exhausted by this annual exercise. We know that they've had a large, a couple of large contract offers on the table for Jim Harbaugh to keep him at Michigan for the long haul. You know, Jim is always driven by that that next mountain to climb. He climbed a really big one, winning a national championship. The one left out there for him is the Super Bowl. You know, he also lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I believe his parents have like the house behind him. Like the backyards are connected. He sees them all the time. Is he gonna is he gonna move to LA right now? As as alluring as it is when it comes right down to it, is he gonna do it? You know, that's that's really the you know the question here. And um we'll see here over the next you know week or two exactly what direction that goes. Well we're resting easily while we're exhausted. You know what I'm saying? Like where this is uh, the previous years was like yeah what if he leaves? We haven't done it yet. Uh we're, everyone's resting easy and 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 celebrating it. I've got two more for you Tom. Because you mentioned this is unprecedented. Bill Belichick is available. 
I mean, that is that is not a misprint, right? You mentioned Pete Carroll yeah. Uh, yeah. would be available for the right job. Mike Vrabel, two years removed, two seasons removed from being coach of the year, is available. Jim Harbaugh is available. Bears fans are freaking out that they stayed put with Matt Eberflus, with all due respect to the coach. So why did they do that, and how does it inform you on their plans for Justin Fields about what they did? Tom. The Bears had lengthy, intensive meetings for a couple of days after the season. Matt Eberflus was a part of those meetings. They had to figure out you know, what the best path forward was for the organization. So they looked at everything. Uh, Kevin Warren, the new team president, was part of that. He is very methodical, wants to talk about every different scenario. Um, you know, based upon the improvement that they showed over the second half of the season, especially on defense, they just kind of came to the conclusion that this is going to be uh, the best direction to go. Now, the Bears offense wasn't terrible, by the way. They were second in the league in rushing, even though they played with an undrafted uh, rookie quarterback from Division II, Tyson Bajan, for a good chunk of the year. It's not like it was just Justin Fields running wild on everybody. They were top 10 most of the season, third downs in red zone. This certainly, Rich, I would say points to them going a different direction at the quarterback position at a time that they're sitting there mm. with the number one pick and the opportunity to go draft somebody that can quickly make Bears fans feel okay if you're moving on from the dynamic abilities but inconsistent play of Justin Fields. I know Ryan Poles left the door open on that possibility when he spoke to reporters. It certainly seems like um, you know things are pointing that direction. They're going to continue to go through the process. You know, Caleb Williams hasn't even declared yet for the draft. Yeah, well, the expectation is that he will. Drake May has declared. That's Monday, right, Tom? You got to do that by Monday, correct? Is that the date by which you must declare? Don't hold me to the date because I got a lot of dates in my head right, right now, Rich. But yes, it's upcoming. The early declare deadline was to make you eligible for all-star games, which mm-hmm. Caleb Williams was never going to do. We'll see if we see him at the combine or anything else uh, through the course of this process. But yes, you, you have to declare later on this month uh, for the NFL draft. They'll have that answer pretty quickly here. And then it's going to be a matter of, okay, if it is a Caleb Williams, how do we put the right offensive coordinator with him to maximize his talents and make him feel good about coming to Chicago? It is Monday, by the way, January 15th. you got to make that announcement. And obviously all of us Michigan folk are looking to see if J.J. McCarthy is going to make that announcement as well. Maybe Saturday's the day, you know, with the parade being planned over the weekend for in Ann Arbor, keeping an eye on that. So here's the last one for you. You made reference before that maybe Belichick is going to wait around to see the results of this weekend's super wild card weekend contests. And there's been one surprise after another, and that would be one last one for sure. Can you crystal ball or give me your two cents, however you're comfortable as to which teams might actually have a result on super wild card weekend that would make them join the group, larger group of teams looking for a new head coach, Tom? Give me that one. I, I would say this. Hmm. I think we all know, Rich, which teams we feel like hmm. are far enough in with their current administrations or have had sufficient frustration throughout the course of the season that if they wash out in the first round of the playoffs, something is going to have to change. In places like Buffalo, that's you know pretty easy to see what potentially could change. You know, they already fired their offensive coordinator this year. They don't have a defensive coordinator. You can make, you know, a lot of changes in that regard. We know that there's intense scrutiny right now 
on the Eagles. Uh, they've already made a change in terms of who's calling the plays on defense. They quite possibly uh, could be a change and already has been collaboration in terms of who's calling the plays on offense. There's always going to be focus on the Dallas Cowboys, despite the fact that you know, Mike McCarthy has to be sitting there going, what more do I have to do? Besides obviously winning playoff games, he's the first Cowboys coach ever to win 12 games in three consecutive seasons. He took over as the play caller and they've gotten so much better on that side of the ball. He's put him in that position, but Rich, when you when it comes down to it, these are the biggest moments. These these are the moments that can turn franchises' fortunes. And one bad bounce, and you lose a bad game, or you just have a bad day at the office, and things get away from you. Real quickly, uh, feelings can change, and so it'll be a fascinating three days of football coming up, and we'll see where we are Sunday, Monday, Tuesday morning. And and then the cherry on top of all that, for the lack of a better phrase, is that there's never been this experienced and big name coaches all in one available pot for teams to go dip into and hire uh, Belichick's available. Harbaugh's available. Vrabel's available. Pete Carroll is available. That is nuts, Tom. And I appreciate you going soup to nuts right here on the show. As always. Thanks Rich. You bet. That's the great Tom Pelissero right here on the Rich Eisen show. And there he goes. We could have kept going on. Yeah, right. Uh, it, it really, an insane amount of news. And then, during all of that, latest news in the college football world as to who's not going to be the next coach at Alabama. Ooh. How about Alabama needing to take a few swings at this, it seems? <laughs> right. That's next. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Chris Maddox is already in our green room for hour two. Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn cereal rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition, betrayal, and menacing milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial film debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr, and many more. Streaming right now on Netflix. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I cannot believe you you watched Charles Oakley get dragged out of Madison Square Garden with your own two eyes, Bobby. I mean, I could not. Mike Lee was there. You couldn't believe it. Did either. everyone just like it during Wait a minute, Mike Lee was there? That's that next thing you're gonna tell me Jack Nicholson was at the Lakers game. McEnroe McEnroe was there. I know he was right there. He was like practically in Oakley's lap. Was Woody Allen there? It was not. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. John Lithgow? Was he John was? there? Steve Earle was there. So Steve Earle. Oh, okay. really? This is the, the new Madison Square Garden. Leon was there? The actor. Oh, sure. Yeah, he was yeah. there. What about... Uh, Bob Costas? Told you. Costas. Now... Oh, yeah. You got oh, to, can you tell this story? Not feeling me. You got to tell the Costas story. Tell the story. story. When I was like 21 years old, I went to the... Um, I went to the, uh, what was it, the Heisman Trophy. Um, At the downtown I, I, athletic I, I, club? Yeah, I, I managed to get invited. Like, I had an extra ticket or somebody gave me a ticket, and I went to the thing. And I went to the bathroom, and uh, Bob Costas was 
in the next urinal. And I was like 21, so this was 1990, 91. And I said, and I was peeing and I went, I just wanted to say, I'm a big fan of yours. And he told me, and he went, don't you know the rule? You're not supposed to talk when you're in a urinal. And I was like, oh, God, I didn't. That's how I learned the rule. Anyway, so I'm at the Knicks game. <laughs> I was at the Knicks game and I was, I've never met him before but since then. And I said to him, hey, uh, Bobby Cannavale, I just wanted to introduce myself and say, uh, when I was 21, I told him the story, and he went, doesn't sound like something I'd say. Shot me down. Just complete shoot down. Twice. And- well, <laughs> he, he was also sitting on the toilet when you told him the second time. He was... He was... He was... He was... He was... Yeah. He's like, hey. So what did you... And shut the door, dude. I don't care that you have two Emmys. Shit. <laughs> Shut the door, Chip. (laughs) That's so good. Check out all the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend action on Westwood One for free and stream it. Sponsored by AutoZone all season long. Hopefully you've been listening to every Westwood One broadcast on the NFL Live on the NFL app. You can do that this weekend. You can also do it by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on your Westwood One affiliate station's digital platforms. Get in the zone with AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help you find a fix for free. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. What's crazier? Oh, I like these. It's not what's more likely. Not yet. What's crazier? Nick Saban retiring at age 72 without a bunch of fanfare, right? Without a Coach K-type farewell season, right? Or Alabama seemingly having some issues filling the job. That's kind of funny. Because so far, Saban's retirement has enriched the Lanning family, seemingly the Sarkeesian family, and now the Norvells. Hanging with the Norvells. And you would have thought, hey, Mike Norvell's going to leave Florida State before Florida State leaves the ACC for the SEC. Pete Famel, one of the many out there saying he's staying Norvell at Florida State, eight years, $10 million per. Hmm. Even after what happened. So what's right? crazier? Saban retire. Anybody want to t- take a shot at that? Because I'll tell you, my answer is that Alabama is having issues finding someone who doesn't want to leave their schools to go to Alabama. What, do you don't want to be the guy after the guy? Is that what it is? Or or what? Because Alabama's got as much money in NIL, right? Or um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. The no, facilities look pretty damn nice. I'd like to stay there. Like, yeah. like that. that's yeah. better than most bed and breakfasts in Tuscaloosa, Nobody's I bet. Nobody's thrown this name out, and I'm kind of surprised. What about Bill O'Brien? Is Lane Kiffin, too. Lane Kiffin set Twitter on fire. He took a shot last night. He tweeted out a photograph of uh, the local airport. Sign as he's le- like he was there, nice at the Oxford uh, I mean, he's airport. The king of the troll. I don't know, point. man. I mean, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I'd what about, what I'd about what about Pete Carroll going back to college? Man, now that would be something. What about that? What's the gum situation? I don't in know. Tuscaloosa? I how about how about Bill? What a name, image, and likeness with Belichick. Now I'm being totally facetious, but yeah, I mean, I don't you're not answering. You agree with me that, uh, that they don't have somebody like there was no coach in waiting. 
I'm a little, I'm right. a little surprised. Because no if Harbaugh leaves, if Harbaugh leaves, we're all in Michigan country, whatever you want to call it, Wolverine Nation. We're all assuming it's Sharon Moore. There you go, Sharon. Well, he's had a lot of practice. I know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised. There's, there's no coaching waiting, just like, yeah. you know, Saban's leaving now so that this guy could get it. They really need to wrap this up because they're Don't in danger think? of losing guys in the portal. We've, they already lost one five-star wide receiver. They're, they're kind of in danger of slipping a little bit. I don't think that's an overreaction. I'm with you. I put it out as a poll. Rich Eisen Show. Hit us up. What you think? Who wants who wants to be Alabama's next head coach? Again, I'm available. I don't think you're you're, you're, you're a candidate. You're not a candidate. Throwing that out there. You're not a candidate. Why not? He's an analyst and an actor. That's what what I mean. more does he Thank need? You. Thank you to EJ. It's not a stretch to start calling him Coach. Coach Brockman. By the way, TJ, no, boom, thank you. you're the OC. He does, oh. he does not have the comportment for oh, the job. Who the I hell is Tim Horton? <laughs> in the headset. You know, Chris, give me that job that McConaughey has for Texas. Like, oh, you're the, you're the uh, minister of... Minister of uh, Vibes or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> culture? Mr. Yeah, Mr. Culture. culture. Yeah. Well, you're the minister of culture of the Rich Eisen Show already. <laughs> I, I used to be the minister of propaganda, now I'm the minister of... Well done. Chris Mannix of Sports <laughs> Illustrated, the latest on everything in the association. He just watched the Lakers get curb stomped last night. So did you. Back on the Rich Eisen Show. Rough NBA in a moment. night last night. Well, not for my fantasy team. But. Well, all right. So, Chris, I'll give you the uh, real estate here. I'll hand it off to you. You want credit for what? <laughs> You're not getting enough credit for something? Uh, something well, I brought up to him earlier. I think that... Uh, what? Go you ahead. You need to prop me up a little bit more for some of my great takes. <laughs> it's, it's a me thing. I'm just saying, I, I'm just saying, like... What? Last year, yes. when I was saying this about Bill, you called me crazy. Which is what? That it's time that for him it's, to go. It's, it's, it's time for a change. You said I was insane. You did say and that. And then the beginning of this year, you said I was insane. And then now that it's happened, you're just like, time for a change. Well, because I saw, I guess, what you saw in advance. Is that good enough? Just saying, am I, I oh, Chris, boy, you really see so many great things. Man, thanks. That wasn't so hard, was it? Yes, it was. A little part of me just died. I don't know if you could see that on your uh, 4K on the Roku channel. Shouldn't you be hyping the analyst up so you can get on your level? I need to get aggregated more. <laughs> hey, listen, hey, I, hey. I, I did not think that. Well, oh. obviously, Kraft saw something in Mayo to say, Gerard. Put it in writing. We're going to put it in writing yeah. that you're the next HC here. Yeah. But that, I don't know what that meant. He could have just written on a cocktail napkin, I resign as the HC well, of the NEP. But didn't we think the that... The way that Belichick had it in his contract that he was the well, next coach of the Jets. Remember years ago when McDaniels and them had a powwow? Right. We thought he was the coach in waiting. Nope. That's true. Well, we want to know one thing. There's not one in Alabama.